You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks, hi, welcome to the latest episode of the SM Media Scottish Football Show. I'm Scott Pike. it's a pleasure to be your host as always. We have obviously got a busy weekend to look back on. We had some cup semi-finals as we know in terrible conditions, terrible pitch, but we did get them played anyway and we have an old firm final to look forward to. But to talk through this weekend's action, it's a pleasure to welcome back to the show, first of all, Adam Kennedy. Adam, welcome to the show, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on, mate. It's uh, nice to get a wee chat about the football, so pleasure's all mine. Definitely. It's really good to have you on. And making his debut on the show, it's a pleasure to welcome welcome on Mitchell Fegans. Mitchell, welcome on to the show. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much, Scott. Good to be here. It's a pleasure. We're looking forward to this. We've got a lot to talk about. It's been a busy weekend. We obviously had the two Cup semi-finals. We'll start with tonight's that is literally just finished about an hour, an hour after we're recording this. <laughs> Rangers are in the final of the Vare Plate Cup. They won 2-1 after extra time against Aberdeen. Very eventful cup tie, classic cup tie feel, Adam. I thought both sides had good spells. I thought Rangers probably just deserved to win it in the terms of they probably controlled the ball better in the second half. They they obviously had to come from behind. Aberdeen did can take, like Comarnock the night before, they can take some positives from their performance, but Rangers... Go out, continues this really good record. Again, there's a lot to get through here, but first of all, very, very entertaining cup semi-final, I would say. Yeah, very much so. I think everybody was sort of looking on to Aberdeen with regards to, obviously, the league loss at Petaudry to Rangers and wondering if that was kind of hanging over them, lingering over them ahead of them meeting at Hamden. Um, I don't think that was the case. Um, I was very surprised to see them take the lead, but I have to say, as much as Aberdeen worked it well, it is dreadful defending from Rangers. I mean, yeah. Borna Barisic and Ben Davis, don't know if it's New York or New Year. And uh, uh, Boy Amiowski, lovely finish at the back stick. I think he uh, worked it well, well Matty Kennedy. He did. Because uh, I think Duke's kind of stolen the limelight off him, hasn't he? Uh, with, with recent performances and, and goals. So, yeah, I, I think Aberdeen could take plenty of heart despite the defeat. Obviously, the red card probably does change the complexion of the game, as does then going into extra time. Um, but they've got a massive league game at Tynecastle on Wednesday night, so that should be a, that should be a cracker between Aberdeen and Hearts, and Aberdeen will probably feel as though they could take something off Hearts. Yeah, Mitchell, I'd say it was a game that could have went either way, both sides of chances. I do agree with Adam that the red card changed the game. First of all, do you no arguments in the red card? No, I don't think uh, Stuart, the Aberdeen captain, sorry, can have any arguments with the red card there. He's... He's very high into the tackle. It's 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 a risky challenge, you know. He's I mean, he's in a nothing area of the pitch, in my opinion. He's on the sideline. I think it's I think it's a needless challenge from Stuart, and especially going into the, the 90th minute stoppage time, you know, going into extra time against a side like Rangers who have got supreme fitness and supreme athletes in their squad that can, you know, perform for the the full 120 minutes. So I think he's really, really cost us side there, and Jim Goodwin will be will be very disappointed, especially coming from what should be the guy leading by example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think there's a lot of... I think Aberdeen, when you look at it, they're, they've obviously been in a difficult run. They had a massive win last weekend. You look at like the first half, Graham Shinney was absolutely strolling the game. And kind of the second half, we see Rangers, we've seen Rangers a lot the past few weeks. They've been able to come out second half. They're a bit more. There's a bit more about them. I think the one thing Michael Beale is getting right, Mitchell, is that he's getting the best out of like, attacking players. I think Sakala's been much improved. Kent, I think he's getting more of a, a tune out of as well. And you kind of look at the subs as well. And I know the squad have been very critical of recruitment in, in recent weeks and recent months. And I think we see that, that that's something that's going to really need addressed in the next couple of weeks. But Kamar Roof, yes, he obviously got injured again. And I think that's the... The problem with Kamar Roof is that, yes, he's very good when he's fat. He's probably as good as any Rangers player in terms of that kind of big big game feel. But there's a reason Rangers can get him. It's because he's very injury prone. And you see that again today. He can score a winner a bit two minutes later. He's pulling up injured. And it's it's hard to see. But 
Rangers have Rangers do have this thing to build on as well. I think the one thing you could have threw at Gerard with Bill there as well was that their cup record wasn't good already. Bill, they're into a final. It's against Celtic. It's a big chance for Bill to lay down a marker early on because you would the league is probably gone. The league unless something unless Celtic have a really show something they haven't done and really slip up. It looks like Celtic are going to win the league. This is Rangers' chance to kind of start the process. Obviously, Bill's going to be there long term. That's a big opportunity for Bill and Rangers to to beat Celtic, get a trophy in the cabinet early, and it kind of you never know where that takes you. Like as I say, it can it can put you in really good stead for the the other the other trophy, and plus it can show that Celtic Celtic are there to be beat kind of thing. That's what they'll be thinking if they can get through that final. Yeah, exactly that. Um, like you say, it, it would be a massive, massive confidence boost for from a Rangers perspective. You know, to get into a, a national cup final, a chance to play our biggest rivals in front of all of the Scottish football fans watching the game. You know, it's a real chance for them to to show what they're made of. And um, I think Michael Beale will be looking after to try and you know assert his kind of authority against against Celtic because frankly, under Van Bronckhorst, he didn't really give Celtic much of a game in the games that I watched uh, Celtic under Ange Postecoglou just seem to be on our level at the moment and it's going to take time for Rangers to get up to that to that standard but I do think Michael Beale he, he is he's like you say he's getting the results and he's got himself into a National Cup final already which is a statement of intent and if he can go and beat Celtic in that Cup final like you say that, that can do the world a good for Rangers Yeah definitely Adam before we get into the other Cup semi-final just a a quick word about Rangers recruitment. As expected, that Todd Cantwell will join the club in the next couple of days. You look at that, the one thing, obviously, injuries have been a problem for Rangers, but there really needs to be some players added because you just look at that bench and all due respect to Scott Wright, but there's, I know he came on and obviously done well for the goal, but you just look at the bench and I know obviously Charlie McCann's there, Alex Lowry, two, they're two young players, but Rangers need a, a fair and injection of quality in the next couple of weeks I would say maybe even three or four players just to and it seems like that's going to happen but I think that's badly needed in the next couple of weeks Definitely and I think with the uncertainty with regards to Malik Tillman's stay if they can turn that into a permanent one with Todd Cantwell you've probably got that ready-made replacement as a number 10 I don't really see him filling out on the flanks because as you mentioned earlier I think Fashion Sakala has been Rangers' best player for a good few weeks under yeah. Michael Beale. Um, he and obviously, of course, he's trying to get Ryan Kent on side. Cantwell in that number 10. I don't know with regards to centre forward who starts. It probably would be Cholak, although Roof's obviously put forward a case. Morelos seems to be slipping down the pecking order as the weeks go by for me. Um, and I think Rangers will probably cut ties. Whether that's in this window or not, to join several signings. I, I don't know. I, I could sort of see them hanging on to the end of the season and then allowing Morelos to, to be on his way. But Cantwell, I think obviously the talk of Tom Davis as well. Yeah, Tom Davis. Um so yeah, that seems to be that seems to be the area. But for me, I think Rangers need to shift a midfielder or two on if they were to sign Davis. Cantwell, yes, because he's further forward, but for a traditional sitter like like Davis really is. I think they've got one too many in that position already for me. Yeah, I think I think the thing with Tom Davis is, and like when you think of Stephen Davis, like he's definitely seems to be that. More. I think I think Rangers need somebody like a Stephen Davis who can control the game. I think Rangers miss that. I think when you've got Jack, Jack I thought Jack was really good today. I thought Jack controlled the game. The problem with Ryan Jack is though is that you can't rely on him long term. You just can't. You can't think to yourself, we're going to get 20 games out of Ryan Jack because you're realistically not. Lundstrom, I thought, was a bit off today, but I think he's those times he's been off and on. Rangers just need an injection of quality in the midfield, and I think, obviously, the goalkeeper situation I've spoke about for weeks. But Rangers are into a final, and it will be an old firm final. They will play Celtic. Celtic obviously made the final on Saturday, a 2-0-1 over Kilmarnock. Mitchell will come to you for that. Celtic, they got the job done. I don't think Celtic could... Play. I don't think Barcelona could play football in that park. I'm, we'll get into, I'm going to get into a bit of a rant on that in a couple of minutes, if you don't mind. But Celtic got the job done. I think Kilmarnock deserve a lot of credit for the resilience. I thought they made it a game. It was another old-fashioned cup semi-final. Celtic, were, Celtic deserved to win. We'll get into the penalty and things like that later on. But I think Celtic, they, they were deserving of the victory and deserved to be in the final. Yeah, I think you've you've uh, dealt with that well there, Scott. I think Celtic definitely did deserve the win in the end. Um, control possession through the majority majority of the game. But like you say, it was good to see Kilmarnock actually making a game of it. You know, there was fears 
I mean, obviously, being an United fan, you obviously want Kilmarnock to lose. But um, there was, even amongst me, I was thinking this is just going to be a boring game where Celtic go on and dominate and and put four or five past Kilmarnock and embarrass them kind of in, in front of a in front of a live TV audience at the National Stadium, which obviously, being a, if you're a Kelly fan, you, you, you wouldn't want to see. And it's not good for the game either. You want these cups to be to be competitive. But um, yeah, Celtic did, did deserve a 2 now win in the end. But like you mentioned there, Kilmarnock were very unlucky not to get a penalty for me. And I know you've said you're going to rant about the pitch and VAR in a second, but I'm just going to have mine here. I don't know how VAR can be in place and not spot that that is a penalty for Kilmarnock there. And obviously, being a United fan, they're the most impartial you can be here. But um, genuinely, I think that I, that's a ridiculous decision. It's almost like a rugby tackle to the ground there and in the penalty area. And how the referee, how he's not spotted that as well is pretty questionable. But the fact that VAR, with all the camera angles that they've got at their disposal, hasn't spotted that, I think that's, I mean, it's just pretty laughable really Mitchell I think there's two ways you can look at the the referee thing and I've said it before If I don't believe there's a conspiracy against a, a club that have won 10 of the last 11 titles and have won 4 quadruple trebles and are sitting 9 points clear I just don't believe that and I think I just don't understand how people believe that but as we've seen in the past couple of weeks when you're when you're putting referees under that pressure when you're saying there is a conspiracy and these referees are not honest those referees aren't going to do you know what I mean those referees are getting nervous it was Last night I saw that. Like I don't know if you saw halfway through the game there was a Wally Collin got in the way of the ball and there was a roar of at least forty five thousand got up and roared at him for it. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing, yeah. that's that's what that's what you're you're kinda of dealing with. So I get why the, there's maybe an intimidation from Wally Collin not to give it. On the other hand though, Kumarma, that is that is a stonewall penalty because he's not there's no attempt to play the ball. So how if that was the other way, we'd, we'd, do you know what I mean? We'd still be hearing about it from the other side. Do you know what I mean? So you can't then say that the, this is all against a certain club and then when it's the other way, say, oh, it's just an honest, do you know what I mean? It's just an honest mistake. These things happen and turn it round and others. That, that's that's the issue we've got here and I've said that many times. It's like you say, it's just, some people just have really, really strange opinions in my opinion. Like, I don't think you can say there's a conspiracy theory really either way. Obviously, if you're a Kilmarnock fan, you're absolutely raging because, like you say, Stonewall is an understatement. It's, it's clear a penalty. You, you'll see, as clear a penalty as you'll see all season, in my opinion. I mean, like I mentioned before, it's a, it's a rugby tackle. But just going to watch Scottish football, like I'll go and watch it um, during the weekend. I know it's a little bit different, but like you say, intimidation is a thing, even from the players of the teams here. If, if a decision goes, if a foul's committed and the, the player in that team thinks it's a foul. They all swarm the referee. And sometimes you see the referee just kind of going with a shout, I feel. And I've noticed that, especially this season. Um, it's interesting you mentioned what they call him, because I think, for me, there's a number of referees this season. And I'm actually going to make a statement. I think this is the worst standard referee that I've seen since I started watching Scottish football. Genuinely, but, the you, worst. but you watch the Championship, right? And this is where I, I was speaking to somebody the other day about this, and they're 100% right. By introducing VAR, you've taken like you would think about it. You've got top, you've got the top level officials who referee the Premiership. You've then got the obviously Championship. By adding six VAR officials, you're then taking away six okay level referees to then VAR. Yeah. And the, do you know what I mean? That's leaving yeah. the Championship with a lower standard and kind of below that. So that's the that's the issue with VAR. Obviously, with I know VAR, it's People have got their opinions. I, I think it's I think it's been brought in too soon. I don't think the referees really know how to use it yet. No. But how do you know what I mean? That's I, that's where I've got sympathy for the championship clubs and kind of below that because they're then getting a poorer standard of referee yeah. to facilitate VR. So the, the 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 best of the rest that aren't getting premiership games are then going up to do the VAR game, the, the games with VAR. So then it's been just trickled down to you've got a lower standard of referee, and I don't think the standard of referee is brilliant in Scotland anyway. So no. these, these games are getting, do you know what I mean? They're, they're not getting the best referee. It's not, I, I don't think it's, I just don't think it's right. No, I think you're exactly right there. You know, like you say, they're taking away the referees that could be taking charge of a championship match or usually it would be until VAR has been introduced and just to go and, and monitor a screen somewhere else rather than 
given clubs across all levels, not just the championship, but a decent, a much better standard referee. And it's never been great, like you say, but it, it definitely has got worse this season. I mean, there's been more things that the people like criticising after the game. It's not just the referees as well. It's, it's, it's the, the assistants. Sometimes there'll be things that are blatantly right in front of the assistants' view, and he doesn't help the referee out at all. And that, that's the role of an assistant referee. The ref, they're called assistant referees. It's not just linesmen anymore. It's not just their job to run the line. They've got to make, help the referee make decisions. And if they think something's happened, they should be on the blow to the referee saying, look, this is a foul, this isn't a foul, etc., etc. But there's too many times where the, the assistant referees just don't do their job, in my opinion. And I don't think that helps the standard of refereeing at all. Not that it's great, great anyway, but it definitely doesn't help. Adam, I went on a bit of rant there about refereeing, and I'm going to go on a wee, another wee rant again. Hamden's a shambles. Hamden is an absolute shambles, and I'm going to make it clear. If somebody said to me, you can get rid of Hamden and replace it with a with a Murrayfield, or a, a, even get the ties to Parkhead or Ibrooks, get them there because this is you can't. That pitch has been a shambles for years. You've got two football teams like Celtic Rangers that play magnificent football, that can play the ball in the deck, and they're not allowed to because of the way that park is. And it, I think it cost Celtic I think it cost Celtic Saturday because Celtic weren't able to play their usual game. No, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, the fact that... I, I, in fairness to the SFA, I was about to fire kind of my annoyance at the SFA and the SPFL and whoever else is you know, perceived as being responsible. But I don't think the World Cup has helped in terms of this tournament should be at its conclusion now. The final's then been dragged on because the World Cup's been in such an unfortunate position that it's mid-season. So it's had a knock-on effect, just like how you were talking about the referees. Ultimately, (laughs) the World Cup's had a knock-on effect for all European leagues and all leagues worldwide, just as VAR nicking the supposed best refs has a domino effect on the lower leagues. So it just sums up FIFA's lack of consideration, the SFA's lack of consideration. Nobody's considering anything. Uh, and then they're surprised when it's a total shambles. Yeah. And I, I think that's, an, that's it in a nutshell. I think those... I don't think... You saw that the part... I mean, I, I live across the road from a farm and I'm actually looking at it just now. The farm's in better neck than Hamden was today like the farmer's field and I'm, I've said that it's it's a disgrace it, and again it's something I've spoken about for years and it just the atmosphere is no good and things like that I just that I do a semi-final Murrayfield do one at Parkhead if this final at Ibrooks or something Hamden needs to go and I'm sorry to say that I know there's a lot of prestige and history behind it it just doesn't do for me and it's just never it's, it's not a good place to watch football either see if you're behind the goals you need binoculars I've been behind the goals several times at Hamden and Again, if you're at the other side and there's a goal, you need to wait until you're at home to see the highlights to see who scored the goal. And because the signal in there is horrendous as well, you don't get a phone signal, so you can't check your phone who scored the goal unless they tell you in the touch uh, the tannoy, which very rarely they do. I it just it's it's something I could go on all day about. But we did also have obviously the two cup semi-finals. We did have Premiership action with four games. We'll start on Friday night actually. Either we'll start with Hearts one 0 victory over St Mirren. With a Friday night fixture. Again, similar to the two cup semi-finals. I thought it was a very even game. Both sides can probably say they were unlucky not to the both sides could say they could easily both get something for the game. St. Marin, I think, leave with a lot of pride, but Hearts again, they're finding their feet, they're getting results. Barry Mackay with an early goal. Again, just hearts, they're just ticking away towards third and results have went in their favour this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice to see Hearts capitalise on results elsewhere going in their favour because uh, there's been numerous years where they've done anything. But um, so yeah, I mean it, it's nice to obviously have your pressure kind of taken off you having one on the Friday and then on look on the Saturday. But if I'm honest, I thought Hearts were pretty fortunate. Um, I think first half. Whilst it was a commander performance, I don't think there was too many clear-cut chances. A wonderful goal from Barry Mackay, I will say that. It's worthy of winning any game, the way that he starts it and involves numerous players. I think Lauren Shankland, Andy Halliday, both getting involved, a couple giving goes across the keeper. Lovely goal. Um, 
but Mackay and Hart seem to kind of go into their shell after that. Um, St Mirren, I thought, were very unfortunate not to take anything from the game, particularly based on their second half performance. Um, and talking about VAR, yeah, the the Kai Rolls penalty shout for me. This is what grinds my gears, Scott. <laughs> I might go on a mini rant here. How they can't come, to, how they come to a quick conclusion with regards to Kai Rolls, I don't know. And they could spend, you know, minutes dwelling on something that looks far clearer cut. It seems like they dwell on things that ought not to be dwelled upon, but sort of laugh off ridiculous suggestions or perceived ridiculous suggestions if I was Kai in this Rose, case that St Mary yeah, should get a I, penalty. Yeah, if I was Kai Rose, I was probably dancing outside out Tyne Castle with how he managed to get away with that not being a penalty. And that's the thing, and that's what we're talking about as well. There is this thing with the handball, and we've seen even in England we've seen it. We saw it yesterday in the the Man the Manchester Derby. There's a clear handball in that game that isn't given. Do you know what I mean? And there's so many you can look at this what is this handball rule? Who, who's telling us what this handball rule is? Because, I, do you know what I mean? There's several games you'll watch over this weekend with a handball where you'll think, is that a penalty? If the ball hits his hand and it's a direct, do you know what I mean? If, it's a, if the guy, whoever's got the ball, playing the ball with his hand, if it's deliberate or undeliberate, surely you should know just by the way the hand goes. Do you know what I mean? It's just... Yeah, the, the unnatural position or natural position debate is fine. But it's the inconsistency with some that you then see given. Yes. That, because correct. like they don't determine it's the determination of whether it is in a natural or an unnatural position that is so inconsistent that now you don't know. If you're if you're <coughs> watching your team attack, you're probably shouting for a handball more than you are anything else. Mm. Of just sheer chance that you might get given one. And defensively, when teams come towards you. You're bricking it because you're thinking, please don't do anything stupid. Do not extend your arms. You know, how are how are they meant to defend now with their hands behind their backs? Yeah, it's just it does not make any sense. And again, this is another thing where there needs a, a kind of greater clarification for all those involved because until that arrives, then it's just going to be so inconsistent as we're seeing, as you rightly put, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Macho, I think the, the takeaways from the game are that St Mirren probably will be unlucky not to pick anything up from the game. But again, Hearts, we spoke about it with, with Adam. They just keep going again. They're just they're getting players fit. A lot of players, like we said there about Snod, I've said for a few weeks about Snodgrass, he's beginning to find his feet. He, he looks like a, a class addition, just that player who you can tell is levels above at times. It's, it's two sides, I think two top six sides, and I think either side would have been either side would have been happy with I think St Mirren despite not winning they'll be happy if they get a performance like that every week they'll be comfortably top six Yeah I mean definitely St Mirren have been the surprise package for, for me this season some, some of the players that I've been really impressed with lies of uh, Bacchus Mark O'Hara who's obviously played at Mullerwell before he's a well-known face in, in the Premiership but I think he, he runs that St Mirren midfield where he kind of and him and Gogic, Alex Gogic as well, I should mention him. And they they really complement each other in there. Gogic's tough tackler will, will, will die for the badge type type player. And Marco Harris kind of almost the, the sort of playmaker he dictates. It takes to play in there. Obviously, he's got the, the set piece ability from the from the penalty spot, which which he has utilized to good effects um this season when he has uh, had the opportunity to take a penalty. And um, but obviously this has been the only side this season to beat Celtic. Mm-hmm. Um, in Scotland, so it, it just shows how, how good they are. And Hearts, if you're a Hearts fan like like Adam, I, I'd I'd be absolutely buzzing getting that one 0 one the other night. Maybe not their best performance, but if they're still they've played not the greatest and they're getting the three points, and you can't really complain. Adam, how good is that for for a, obviously when you're a Hearts fan? Like you've got you've got a lot of players coming back from injury. There's a lot of players finding form. Shanklin's obviously been in good form as well. When you're not playing well, but you're getting those results, and as we say, third third place is the the overall objective. When you're sitting in that position, but your your players are beginning to find it, and you're get you're getting these results, it's it's massive for Hearts. Yeah, it is, and it's it's the perfect start to a big week. Like I said earlier on, that midweek match with Aberdeen, with mm-hmm. the opportunity to go nine points clear of them, I think in third is fantastic. Um, and of course. 
the Scottish Cup showdown with Hibs at Easter Road. Yeah. So this is a really huge week. And vitally important that we had to get off to a winning start. And as you lads say, you know, winning when not at your best is the, is the sign of a, a good team, traditionally, is the old cliche. Um, yeah. And I don't think the Hearts were at their best against St Mirren at all and have come out with four points from a potential six. So a, a decent point in Paisley, followed with a, a win in Gorgie, and, and it's looking good to, to start off the week for Hearts. Absolutely. We'll move on to the three games on Saturday. We'll start at McDermott Park. St Johnson 2, Livingston 4, Livingston 3 now up at half-time. St Johnson, though, they caught it, but they, they tried to call it back, two goals, and it took it to a 3-2, but Livingston killed the game off. Doubles from Kelly and Penrith. Mitch, we'll start with you. Livingston, again, they just get results, and again, at 3-0, I'd love to have I'd love to have seen David Martindale's reaction at 3-2. He would, have, he would have been thinking, what is going on here? But again, teams teams like Livingston, they, when you get that fourth goal, it just calms everything down. And it's a, I think it's a huge three points for Livingston, considering you're 3-0 up. Obviously, St. Johnson do well to call it back. But just to just to kill that game off, that'll be a big three points. And I think they'll be going up very happy after that. Yeah, like you say, I mean, from a Livingston perspective, they'll, they'll have been really, really... Um, backs to the wall at three two. You know, worried city. You know, are we gonna are we gonna bottle this? Are we gonna concede two points? Maybe even concede three if St John can go and scored uh, two more, which is always a possibility in football as well, as you guys know. Um, but one player that I've been really really impressed with from from Livingston is Stephen Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not just saying that that like he was at Air United a few years ago on loan from from mm-hmm. Rangers, and you could see then. Some of the goals he scored in his his range of passing, I think he was only nineteen at the time, but he, he could control the midfield. He could play deeper. He could play in a more sort of winger role if he needed to. He could play kind of number ten, very versatile for for someone of his, of his age. And he's obviously played at Ross County and Salford City since then, um, and that's a really really good addition from from Livingston, who seem to be fight, who seem to continuously find those players um, that come in and just. You know, have a, have an instant impact and and really push them forward because a club at Livingston they're not going to have the, the, the biggest budget, but they seem to use the budget they have really really efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well when we talk about them every week, they just they find ways to win and they're clinical as well. Adam Livingston will be delighted, obviously, with that. But St Johnson, on the other hand, although they showed signs of fight back in the second half, the first half performance will be serious cause for concern. Absolutely, and and given the torrid recent run that St Johnson are on, this is this is the last thing that they needed. Is that now five straight league defeats? I think um, is, yeah. and some of the goals are absolutely criminal. I mean, I'm I'm even looking at the second goal where Nicky Devlin does really well to stay on side, but there's all the time in the world to just I think it is Stephen Kelly just sweep inside with with his right foot. Um, a, a great first goal, but I mean the third as well, James Penrice's flick dearie me, Saints are just standing watching, nobody taking responsibility, accountability um, and at 3-0 Callum Davidson must have been tearing his hair out um, and no surprise to then see him make, I think it was a triple change at half time, albeit the substitutes then look to combine the likes of Jamie Murphy Connor McLennan, trying to drag Saints back into the game but, but the damage was done um, and you were talking about David Martindale in, in the other dugout earlier loved his celebrations for the fourth goal. I think David Martindale is just an absolute character. Does not get spoken about enough in terms of the job that he's doing. And I think Livingston are a, a shoo-in for top six, if I'm honest with you, Scott. Yeah, I think they just they just grind out results. As I say, they're clinical. Like We'll touch on two teams later on that aren't clinical that probably got a similar level of player, but Livingston are just finding ways to win. I do agree with Mitchell with Stephen Kelly. I think if you can get Stephen Kelly fat and playing... He's such a good player. He's too. He's probably too good for a team like Livingston. It's just obviously he's been unlucky at Rangers not to get a consistent place in the team. He's he's going to he's he's really kind of emerging as a player in there who I think David Martindale trusts. Again though, you think of like what you mentioned there about David Martindale, Adam. It's been a tough week for David Martindale. You lose your your man in the dugout. Marvin Bartley's obviously away to Queen of the South. That's a big loss in the, the dugout. I know he's brought in uh, Christopher Pereira and uh, the another assistant manager. I mean, they're just the they're, they're a Neil solid Hastings, is it? yeah, Neil Hastings, yeah. They're they're a solid, yeah. solid unit. Like, do you know what I mean? They always they back David Martindale to the hill. He's he's such a he's he's got a good eye for a player as well. Like, do you know what I mean? When you're on that shoestring budget, 
it's vital who you pick up in terms of recruitment. And it just he's finding players that are fitting so well. Fitz Water will be a big loss if he is if they cash in on him, which is looking very likely. But Livingston just keep going. And it's a big result for Livingston. Obviously, they are sitting in a, a really good position for top six. We'll move to Easter Road. Adam player Hibbs. A last-minute goal from Kevin Nisbet secured a 2-2 draw. Obviously, Kevin Nisbet has been in really good form for Hibs since coming back into the side. Two ways of looking at this. Hibs, big point, probably eases the tension in Lee Johnson for a wee while when obviously Kevin Nisbet's been in terrific form. The day United, it must feel like a, that must feel like a defeat after been so been clear up until that last kick. Yeah, definitely. Um, it looked as though they were going to take advantage of some really poor Hibs defending early on. I mean, they were lucky to not be punished earlier than the six minutes that they were with a, a slack Ryan Porteous pass um, but giving Arnold Jim far too much space Stephen Fletcher we know is a big physical presence does well to work it to Glenn Middleton and it's an outrageous finish um, but from there on in credit to Hibs they look to bounce back uh, they look to press for that equaliser um, Kyle McGinnis obviously going close but Kevin Nisbet is just in top form looks like he's never been away which is a credit to him I think that's now seven goals in the six games since he's come back, or since the resumption uh, from the World Cup. Yeah. Um, and he does really well to create the space, wonderful finish across the goalkeeper. And he, even his second as well is very impressive. I think the first touch is tremendous from the long ball forward. And he sh- sort of shrugs off Liam Smith, does just enough to work that space, and it's another emphatic finish. He's a, he's a man that had to obviously take on the mantle of being Hibbs' main man, what with Martin Boyle out. Um, but it seems to be to be stepping up to that to fill that void, which from a Hibs perspective is uh, all you want. Mitchell, when you, you look at Hibs, obviously that's a big point. If it wasn't for Kevin Nisbet, though, Hibs would be in trouble. The United, though, there are there is signs of improvement. I know that'll be a gotten result after been been clear, but both sides will obviously take positives. Kevin Nisbet for Hibs and the United, there's there is improvement there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the start of the season, they were almost kind of conceding goals just left, right and centre, really, really really poor goals, you know, to go and, I mean, even you're playing against a team like AZ Altmore, obviously, relatively established European club, but to go and concede seven is just not acceptable against any team, uh, really, um, just really, really damaging for the players' confidence and especially like Jack Ross, it must have been difficult for the players to, to get used to that and Kind of shift their mentality towards how Liam Fox uh, wants them to play, um. But I do think there's there's signs of improvement there. They're obviously level on points with Motherwell, Motherwell just now, but they do need to be to be careful and start picking up points. And the results of that yesterday, their, their fans will be will be really kind of disappointed they didn't come away with three because that would have been a, a massive massive three points. As for Hibs, and um, once again Kevin Nisbet just carrying them through them through um, and. In that game, you know, saving them from from what they're going a damaging defeat, and like you say, where really the fans really might have turned on on Lee Johnson. Then, um, in terms of Hibbs' squad, I think there's a lot of dead wood in Hibbs' team that needs to that needs to go. And um, there's players there that are just not good enough, and there's players there that have kind of been under, you know, just signed for ridiculous ridiculous reasons. They're not proven in the league. They're not really proven elsewhere. It's just gambles that Hibbs can't afford to afford to make in a minute and they are very lucky they've got a player like Kevin Nisbet who I think along with Lauren Shankland is probably on on his day one of the top the two best strikers in the league um, so they are very lucky to have a player like him and without him Hibs could really be struggling Adam obviously from a, a Hearts perspective obviously we, we saw the Derby in, in New Year and I thought Hearts were leaps and bounds clear of Hibs and I think a big reason for that is the the defence. I think we saw, again, just look at the goals that Hibs conceded. They're just so loose at the back. I think I can see the angle with playing Portis as a midfielder, but I think the problem with that is is that you 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 don't have the... I don't think Bashiri's the best in terms of one-on-ones. I, don't, I think Hibs are very, very open in that defence. And Adam, if, from a Hibs fan, a Hearts fan, sorry, if you're playing... Hibs in the cup on Saturday, uh, Saturday, you must be licking your chops against that. Particularly Shanklin, Barry Mackay, they must be licking their chops against that defence. You'd like to think so. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But the only thing that's gone against Robbie Nielsen 
is the fact that he's not won at Easter Road as Hearts manager. Um, I, I wouldn't believe that. I know, I know. You wouldn't think it, given given the uh, the tenure that he's obviously had. Well, well, over two spells. Um, but everything has to come to an end. And as you say, with the goals that Hibs are conceding at the minute, you'd like to think that Hearts are in with a with a chance of doing so. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a massive game on the the weekend in the Scottish Cup final game to talk about in the Premiership was Motherwell won, Ross County won. Uh, a goal from McKinstry gave Motherwell the lead, but Ross County caught it back with Howler. Ten minutes to go. Mitchell, I just think I think the the statement of this game is familiar feelings from both sides. They just Motherwell just struggled to to get a win on the board. Ross County, we know I've spoke about it so many times. Ross County just have very little threat going forward and. These are two sides that I think are really going to struggle. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ross County are still suffering from the loss of Regan Charles Cook in the summer. He really was the player that would get the goal when they were needing it most. Him and Hungbull last season were two, some, two of the kind of standout players in that team that, that, that carried them through um, games and, and got them points. And they're missing that this season. Um as for Motherwell, it's the same old problem on the old defensively. They're just not good enough, not resilient enough. Um, I mean, I, I, I saw the goal, the Ross County goal, Hawula. It's a great, it's a great finish, well taken goal. But I mean, so hold your hands, and that's two mistakes in the last two weeks from him. I, he's totally misjudged the kind of the, the, the break of the ball, the bounce of the ball, if you like, and and has let Hawula in. I mean, I'm pointing the blame at so hold your hands. You could probably point the blame at the other centre back. Uh, to his right there who, who could be covering in better but I think the, the ball should have been dealt with much earlier it's a it's a simple ball that, that's been flicked over the top from from a throw and I believe it's almost a kind of hopeful ball forward that you're used to seeing in the last kind of 10 minutes of a, of a game from a team that's that's chasing the chasing the match and uh, it should be dealt with from a little and a frustrating one for, for Stephen Hamill and his players. Adam, I think it's safe to say, and I agree very much with what Mitchell said there, Mother will need defenders and Ross County need strikers. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd certainly go along with that. Um, what I would say is Motherwell seemed to rely far too heavily on Kevin Van Veen. I like Stuart McKinstry, I, I really do. I thought he certainly grabbed the goal that his performance deserved. Um but I think Kevin Van Veen scored something like 40, 50% of their goals. So if he doesn't perform, Motherwell don't tend to perform, as has been seen here. Um, and yeah, just again, at the back, not great. Solholm Johansson. Home again, playing midfield's a strange one. Um, in need of a centre-half or two. They've signed one from Ireland who's barely kicked a ball, so don't understand that. Um and County, uh, Jordan White, I, I quite like. He gives you something different up there. Um, I think Yandanda's a good player. Uh, I think Ross Callahan on his day is a good player. But there hasn't been sort of a consistent selection that's worked for County offensively yet. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, they're definitely in need of reinforcements this January. They certainly are, yeah. I think there's two sides that really need to get their, their act together in January. It's going to be a difficult end to the season for them. Championship, let's go there. We've got a few games to talk about. Uh, Air 2, Arbroath 2, Cove 2, Wraith 2. The day part of Thistle was called off. Hamilton were the only winners of the weekend. A 1-0-1 over Morton. And Inverness now, Queen's Park now. Mitchell, best to start with you here. Air, obviously, again, they'll be probably be upset. They'll be glad they, they caught it back after going 2-1 down to Arbroath. But when Queen's Park obviously haven't won, it's two points dropped. Yeah, I mean, you could look at it that way. Two points dropped, obviously, with Queen's Park not winning. So, maybe a little bit of frustration from that point of view. But I think having spoken to, to the gaffer and, and the skipper, Sean McGinney, yesterday after the game, I think the air squad genuinely was pretty pleased with the point. I think the same was for the, the, Arbroath, the Arbroath team as well. Um, really horrendous, horrendous conditions. In, in fact, Speaking to a lot of fans at halftime and even after the game, they, they were all kind of all in agreement as to as to say, you know, the, the game really should not have went ahead. Um, conditions totally totally ruined it. Um, you know, the wind was almost, I think, dead of gas and had a, had a kick in the in the first half. That's actually gone l l far short of the halfway line and started coming back the other way towards him. Um, and his own defenders had to try and clean classic, it. Classic oh, game, yeah. Pretty much that. That that's that's the best way to put it. But um, 
from an air perspective, I mean, I think, like you say, a little bit of frustration that the two points, two points dropped. But considering the conditions, considering the wind and how how that affected the the game, a good point in the end and good uh, good to see McGinty on the score sheet, the captain. Great header from him. And it was that half where we were actually against the wind uh, in that half, and I was surprised that we scored. You know, when I broke got the got the second goal, I really feared for us because I broke obviously didn't manage to to do much in the first half uh, in the attacking third, going against the wind and and having saw that and just the, the kind of resilience of the Arbroath defence. I didn't I didn't see us scoring, but it was great to see Sean McGinley on the score sheet. And like I said, good point in the end. We'll take that and move on to Cove Rangers next mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, next Friday night will be a big game as well. Mitchell, the thing we, the thing I've got with United now has obviously been been local. It's it's good to see there's that there finally looks to be like a a level of ambition. But there is also this thing as well where, where like there there definitely has a project going on. Would it be like would it be fair to say? I know obviously if fans want to go up, they're desperate to get into the Premier League. But would maybe the thing with Queen's Park as well is that they're slightly ahead of schedule. Like, I don't think a lot of Air fans would have thought. They'd be competing for promotion at this t- this point in the season. I think, I think it's a case of like, area fans kind of quite happy, like happy at the moment just to be where they are and hopefully like build towards it next season. If they don't go up this season, it's not a disaster. There's building blocks for a really good project at the club just now. Yeah, exactly that. I think for, from my perspective, anyway, and um, I think I speak on the behalf of a lot of United fans that if you're told. You know, told them at the start of the season, um, after just stayed up in the final day last year, it would be sitting second in in, in January. You just snapped their hand off. Yeah. Um, I think at the start of the season, I looked at the league and I thought, if we can just stay clear of relegation, kind of maintain that mid-table spot, fifth, sixth, um, and just get survival for next season, then I'd have been extremely happy with it. And I think touching, <coughs> sorry, on Queens Park as well. I think it is a similar scenario, um, almost that. We're almost going up too soon, mm-hmm. in a way. Obviously, I'd love to see us go up this season; It'd be brilliant. Um, but I do think that if even if we don't go up this year, like you said, it's far from a disaster. Um, and I do think that we can go up in the next couple of years because the the backroom staffs in place, and like you said, the, the projects there, everyone's kind of striving in the same direction to you know to, mm-hmm. to achieve their goal, which is ultimately to get to the Premier League, um, in the near future. So, if not this season, then definitely in the near future, I definitely can see us can see us going up there and the aim is obviously to stay in the Premier League and become an established Premiership club eventually. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly the plan. Uh, Adam, the winners of the weekend, the Championship, undoubtedly were Hamilton. If you look at if you think of a team that needed a victory more, I'll be very surprised. It's a huge one now, victory over Morton. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously with Air pegging our growth back, two points gained on them. Um very, very surprising result. It's, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't touch Hamilton Morton in a coupon, but you could argue that it is a coupon buster. Um, came out of nowhere and a big win for John Rankin and, and his Aki's team as they bid to stave off what does seem an inevitable drop, but you never know. It gives them a chance. Yeah, it definitely gives them a chance. League One, we'll touch on the results there. Alawa 2, Edinburgh 1, Dunfermline 4, Peterhead now, Falkirk Mill Clyde now. Kelty won, Airdrie won, and Montrose won, Queen of the South now. Adam, two wins for Dunfermline and Falkirk, obviously with Edinburgh uh, going behind to Alloa. Dunfermline now look seven points clear. Falkirk are, are closing the gap in second or leveling points with Edinburgh. That's two big wins for the top two. It certainly is, but they've only faced off against one another once this season, is that right? Yep. The one yep. each draw. I think the yeah, they were made New Year, obviously, and that got postponed, yeah. Um, so still a long way to go, but for the Pars, it's been yeah a near perfect first half of the season. Um, sitting what did you say seven points ahead? Well, seven um, points ahead now. A full cut in Edinburgh, yeah. Seven points ahead. Um, recruitment's been really good for the Pars as well. I, I like several of the young loanees as well. Um, yeah, I think I think it's pretty much nailed on. It would have to be quite the capitulation if, if they weren't to go up. Um, it's whether or not that Falkirk will join them is the, the intriguing thing there. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell, what's your takeaways from League One? Some big results. Montrose obviously winning. Alloa with a point as well. Uh, three points as well takes them into the playoff places. Overall, kind of big wins over the weekend in the League One. 
Yeah, I think touching on under Felman Falkirk again, uh, two sleeping giants almost in Scottish football. Um, growing up, I remember Dunfermline and Falkirk being in the Premier League at one stage. Um, they've certainly got the fan bases to do so, uh, at least being challenging in the championship, if not in, in the top flight. So I do think we'll, we'll see. I, I do think Dunfermline will go on and win the league this season. I don't see Falkirk clawing that back unless Adam says it's like a big capitulation from, from the Pars. But I do think Falkirk, if they're not back this season to the playoffs, they'll definitely come back. I think next year is, will be their year. Um, it's a very tough league. Also, Queen of the South came down and haven't really been doing as well as I anticipated. Um, it, we actually played them uh, at Somerset Park in the Via Play Cup, the cup that obviously the cup semi-final just got played earlier on. Um, we get beaten 3-0 at home um, by Queen, Queens in the group stages of that competition. And I thought Queens looked really good that day. The likes of Josh Todd, Rudy Payton, Lee Connolly, real, real standout players, players for me. Um, obviously under Wally Gibson's guidance at that point, who has moved on now considering that run of bad results. Um, Marvin Bartley has now stepped in. Tough job ahead for Marvin Bartley, but I think it's a, a good good opportunity for him for his first job in, in management, a club that's probably isn't doing as well as it should be in League One. Um, but there's definitely a project there. They've got some good young players. I mentioned Rudy Payton before. I'm a big big fan of him. Lee Connolly, he's always a threat. So I definitely think Queen's Queen's uh, better times will come again soon. Yeah, we'll move on to League Two. We'll just go through the results. Bonnie and Stirling was called off. East Fife won, Stenhouse Muir won, Elgin won, Annan won, 4 for 2, Dumbarton won, and Stranraer now Albion 4. Again, Adam, what a difference a few a few weeks make. Ray McKinnon went in at 4 for when they were sitting there in off bottom of the league. Four wins in five, and they're now competing for a promotion spot. And Can I just say, Lee, yeah, League Two is wild in terms of the yeah. drop off between, like, I think it's four. Is, am I right to say the gaps are like eight points from fourth to bottom? Uh, there's nine points between third and tenth. Yeah. There you go. An, an absolutely bonkers league. And seven points between second and third. Crazy. Crazy. Because it, it looked it looked all the world like Dumbarton were going to run away with it. Mm-hmm. Starling then put up a decent bit of a fight. And it's still certainly not out with their means. But then there is that gap, as you say, where it's like any any two from the potential other eight could or seven or eight could then make up the playoff places. Um, which is just ridiculous. A bonkers league. But given Forford's recent form, obviously you mentioned Ray McKinnon, very experienced manager, has worked at a higher level. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't bet against them moving on up the table, that's for sure. No, you certainly wouldn't. Uh, Mitchell, obviously, the another four 0 victory for Albion Rovers as well. There, another side going places at the moment. Yeah, I mean that's that's the standard result for me. I mean, obviously, but at the same time, Shinrar obviously were above Albion Rovers going into the game, and uh, I've got some experience, but also led by Jamie Hamill mm-hmm. and players like James Hilton, ex Air, who I thought was a good a good young player at the time, and who's been scoring goals for him in League Two over the seasons that he's been with them. So, a, a very surprising result. Um, but like Adam said, League Two is just mental. You, you cannot predict anything. One week, Nelson <coughs> Rafa could go and win five 0 against East Five. Next week, they could probably go and get beat by Bonnie Rig Rose. You never, you never know. You never can never predict it. Um, just Stenhouse New as well. Touching on them, Gary Naismith in charge there. Very experienced, experienced manager. Obviously, it's it's Queens ex uh, Edinburgh City or FC Edinburgh now, as I should should say. Um, believe one I'll one I'll draw for them away at East Five, which is decent. And having listened to a few Stenny fans speaking, the, the problem seems to be scoring goals at, at the minute, and they're really needing the kind of an out and out goal scorer because they are they are creating chances, but they just need someone that can go and stick that ball in the back of the net. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of sides in League Two. I think Strumara. I do feel a bit for for Strumara. I think they're in trouble. I think there's there's some. A, speak to a couple of Shumar fans quite often and they were saying that there's a lot of problems there just in terms of they're, they're not getting goals, they're conceding a lot of sloppy goals and it's difficult. I think that league if you're not if you if you're not picking up consistent results, you could be you could be the bad and obviously with the the way the pyramid system works, I think you're only a few results away from potentially being out of the SPFL when we've saw in recent years where like Sakai Beath and East Stirling, it's purgatory. It really is. You can be there for it. It's very difficult to come back up. But we obviously have a, a couple of things to talk about for midweek. 
I'm just going to get around the panel and see about the three Premiership games that are taking place during the week. We'll start on Wednesday at Celtic Park, Celtic host St Mirren. Can Celtic redeem themselves after their only defeat in the league so far this season, Adam? Celtic versus St Mirren, give us your score prediction, please. I will go 2-0 Celtic. 2-0 Celtic. I'm going to go for 2-0. I think 2-0. I think St Mirren will make it tough, but I think Celtic will just will scrape over the line. Mitchell, what we got for Celtic St Mirren? Go for a 3-0. Be a little bit different. Very good. Uh, Adam will go to Hearts Aberdeen. Massive game for Hearts. I think Hearts will win this 1-0. Lawrence Shankland early on and that'll be the game. And I think Hearts will state their claim as I think they'll go comfortably third again and it's nine points. Um, I was very pleased with Friday night with a rare clean sheet. Uh, I think Aberdeen will put up more of a fight though. I'll go 2-1. 2-1. Uh, Mitchell, what we got for Hearts Aberdeen? Yeah, I'm going to agree with, with Adam there. 2-1. 2-1 Hearts, I think, Duke to score for Aberdeen. Brilliant. And the final game live on Sky at 8 o'clock, we have Kilmarnock against Rangers. I'm going to be very specific here. I think Kilmarnock will take the lead in the first half and Rangers will claw it back in the second half. I think 2-1 Rangers, two second half goals will give Rangers a, a very tight victory. Adam, Kilmarnock, Rangers? Uh, I'll go, well, not against you, but I'll go different. I'll say Kelly nil, Rangers 2. Okay, and Mitchell, what we got for Kilmarnock versus Rangers? I'm going to go for 2-1 Rangers. Rugby Park's been a tough ground for Rangers in the in recent years, so I think it'll be a narrow victory for the Jairs. Brilliant. We obviously will have a Scottish Cup action uh, over the weekend as well. We will do a bonus uh, extra show uh, probably on Friday where we'll look at, we'll preview the Scottish Cup action and review the midweek action in the league. And we're going to wrap up the show there. All that leaves me now is to thank our two guests. First of all, Adam, thanks very much again. No worries, mate. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And Mitchell, great debut. Thank you very much for joining the show. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me, Scott. Brilliant. Really enjoyed Thank it. Cheers. Thank you very much. Also, just a wee t- uh, thing on what the content is coming up on the channel this week. We will have a West and a women's football show going out either uh, probably Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Road to Cheltenham will be going out on Thursday. And we'll have, there's two episodes left of Chronicle, which will be dropping on Friday. And we will see you all soon. Thank you very much.